This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart and I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. In this episode, I speak with Anne Huang. Anne makes abstract oil paintings and drawings that are influenced by observation and memory. The paintings are atmospheric and evocative and highlight an interest in how color can suggest emotion and a sense of wonder. Her paintings have always offered me a quiet place to reflect or a type of cloud to get lost in and then float back out of feeling refreshed. Anne currently has a show of new works on view at Turn Gallery, which is on First Street in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. The show will be up through December 18th. Here we are at her studio in Brooklyn. forget that you know the city's always in flux and it's always changing but um i forget how fast it, it happens yeah um anyways here we are looking at ann's paintings in her studio in the williamsburg section of brooklyn and i am asking this question at this front of front of these talks these recordings um because some people don't want to be pigeonholed x type of artist i would Say that you make you're a painter. You make paintings. Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable with that category yes. or that label? Okay, so you're you're a painter. Yeah, I identify as a painter, and you fully embrace that. Yes, and you have no little side experiments as a sculptor or anything. You're 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 a pure painter. Yeah, painter. Well, and you make drawings. Yes. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would classify your work as abstraction and non-representational, but th from past conversations with you, the content of your work is uh, the natural environment yeah. and memory. Right. Where are these memories coming from? What, what types of memories uh, inform the the way that you make your paintings? Well, they're, they're memories of observations, um, you know, maybe from a hike in the woods or, you know, from travel. I'll take something that I've seen and... Uh, use that as a starting point often um, to make make the first mark or mm -hmm. or start the feeling of the painting mm -hmm. and these are oil paintings oil. correct yeah oil on canvas or oil on canvas and uh, you use brushes so they're they're made traditionally you know yeah. there's not like a like a, a, a clever around the way um, technique that you're using to to apply the paint to the canvas um the color palette too is also I, I sort of associate like the signature color palette with your work and um you know it includes the shades of blue different tones of violets and pinks uh there's yellow ochre in a few of these this sort of uh, cerulean blue is that the right mm -hmm. blue mm -hmm. <laughs> i can't believe i remembered that uh but uh um it it doesn't stray too too far out of the, that cool family of tones well there's a couple that are more bright like that's bright yellow and bright pink mm -hmm. but those are the outliers relative to the other work where are these colors coming from why are you choosing this palette to work with it seems very uh, deliberate. Um, I think that I often 
choose colors intuitively, but I think they're really influenced by my surroundings and um, working in my studio in the city, there's a lot of gray and <laughs> um, the window in my studio um, brings in like this beautiful, cool, diffused light. Uh-huh. And I think that all affects the work. Um, and then, you know, more recently, these other colors have started to creep in. And I think that's due to um, the fact that I live outside of the city now. So right. there's all these clear colors coming in. Um, yeah, and I want to talk to you about that move yeah. from city living to moving um, out of the city. But we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember in past conversations, uh, the the sort of uh, tone and shadow play of the city itself informed. You mentioned it was played an important role. The shadows on sidewalks, all the concrete, and um, I feel like that that's like a direct connection to these these sort of grays and blues and violets. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, like the urban environment, like that dirt and grit and layers of history and all of that um i think is not so much on the surface of the work but you know ingrained in the intuitiveness of it right and these seem responsive in that they you don't have you don't have a sketch or anything or uh, uh, a small study for these paintings do you no not necessarily i mean every once in a while i may take a small painting and see what happens but like to like in, enlarge, to enlarge it or make it. a uh-huh. bigger version of, or like a, something in the family of that small painting. Yeah, I see. But but most often I'm just going direct to the canvas. Right, uh, and one move will dictate the next, and that's sort of how it builds. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm wondering, you know, I'm always curious when people are making works that don't have uh, an identifiable image in it, you know, abstract paintings or non-representational paintings, what the psychology is while you're working on these. Like, what what are you thinking about? What is the artist thinking about when there's there's an absence of defined meaning when or defined description of an object or an idea? Um, do you turn yourself off and just sort of drift or is... Are you thinking about, uh, you know, what what's on the to-do list when you get home? Like, what's what's sort of going through your, your mind as you're working in here? Yeah, I'm definitely not thinking about my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really distracting. I, I honestly try not to think when I'm making my work. I try to be as empty as possible. And, um, you know, like, like I said, I, I start out with, with maybe a memory of a, of an observation or an experience and then but once I make that first mark then it's just um, being in that moment mm-hmm. and trying not to think yeah turning off yeah not overthinking it yeah I can identify with that I get into trouble when I start over considering what it is I'm actually working on in front of me that's when things tighten up right and I lose a sense of openness or something and I get uh, self-conscious almost. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Turning off that voice in your head. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's hard to do. I, I don't know if you do the same thing, but I'm, I'm looking for like part of my, uh, 
quiver of solutions to that potential problem are big and small distractions in the studio. How do I remove myself from the thing I'm actually working on? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I find that sometimes music helps and facilitates mm -hmm. that because it's just enough noise to cover that, <laughs> that yeah. constant that uh, voice, voice in the back of your yeah. head is saying, you're not doing that right. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, you know, like that Mark's not the right one or yeah. whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. It's strong stuff. What we're thinking about while we're working on yeah. this. Um, I'm curious about, I know that you grew up in Virginia mm -hmm. um, and you went to school at Virginia Tech. That's Yeah, that's right. In Blacksburg, Virginia. And you studied interior design. Mm -hmm. um, and I know from past conversations that we've had, um, you didn't necessarily have a direct like creative influence as a kid. Did you? No. Well, you had some creative input from family members and friends. Can you talk about what those what those bits of creativity that were presented to you as a kid? Yeah, I think that um, my father, I would say, uh, introduced me to poetry at a young age, um, and music and theater. He eventually brought us to theater, um, but he definitely appreciated the arts mm -hmm. and shared that with us, um, on the level that he did. And, um, I would say my mom on the other hand was more pragmatic and more about survival, but, um, yeah, I would say that. And surviving dad, does not include making art <laughs> at that time for you. I don't. Yeah, no. Right. Well, so I think that's true for a lot of families yeah. and a lot of people. It's, it's a tough thing to wrap your arms around that there's a living to be had through this stuff. Right. Especially if you've, if you're not touched by it yourself, right. like a parent isn't touched by it or right. hasn't been exposed to some of the potential of, of art as a, as a way to earn a, a live, a, a living or a livelihood. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and what, what steered you to interior design? Well, you know, I always, I think I always knew that I was going to be making art throughout my life. And I think when it came down to um, going to get an education, I wanted to try something different and keep my options open. And um, I was sort of limited to state school and there's VCU, which is a great art school, but somehow I wasn't ready to make that sort of commitment to an art program. Mm -hmm. So I went, um, in the direction I went to Virginia Tech undecided and uh, learned about interior design and thought that might be a creative way to make a living. Mm -hmm. So I decided to do that. Um, but as good as plan as any. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, um, I started painting uh, in undergrad there and I was really fortunate. Did you take painting classes or was it just something I, you did as uh, I for took fun a couple painting classes uh -huh. um, as electives. Um, alongside. Um, but I was really fortunate to meet a man named Vic Moose, who uh, is a writer. And I met him at a coffee shop. He's not associated with the university at okay. all. But he was very generous with his time with me and pretty much, I would say, took me seriously as a person. Yeah. <laughs> and an artist for or a becoming artist. What type of writer was he? Um, he writes all kinds of things. He or does, is he? He's still alive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He writes novels, short stories, screenplays 
Um, so is there yeah. a theme that he sort of focuses on, like recurring uh, theme? I think one particular interest of his is language. Okay. Um, yeah, it's important to have these people, right? Um, I would probably categorize categorize Victor as a teacher, even though he wasn't a teacher in a school, right? Right. I'm a believer in that teachers are all around us, you know, arguably even more so outside of an, uh, a formal learning environment, like a yeah. school or uh, a learning institution. Um, and then, like, I'm a little ignorant when it comes to interior design. What, like, I understand interior design as, um, I guess, a couple ways. One is people with, with um, a certain amount of money can hire an interior designer to lay out their entire home, like style it for them, uh, from sofa to the art on the wall to... Um, the curtains and like create a, a narrative through the stuff that they fill a space with. But I have a hunch that that's not necessarily the right way to look at interior design or is it? N- no, I mean, well, our program was very much more in the camp of interior architecture, I suppose. Okay. Um, but more commercial. Okay. So our folk, uh, you know, we learned how to design space come up with designs for office spaces and retail environments and um, less focus on the residential, which I think is what you're referring to. Okay, right. Yeah, there's uh, probably many different avenues. Yeah. Clearly for interior design. And you were probably considering space a bit more. Definitely. As a concept itself and how to utilize space wisely. Right. Um, and where to put walls and windows and exactly. common areas versus private areas and these sorts of ideas. Right. And did, how the space flows yeah. and functions. Right. At any point, did were, did you consider the role that artwork might play in an interior space? Even at a commercial level, like a office or... Um, you know, it really never came into mind that much while I was studying it. Um, but the funny thing is I found myself always looking at the art when I would flip through design magazines uh-huh. and that's what I found would like catching my eye more. Mm-hmm. I was much more curious about who made that painting. So I, I don't know. Yeah. But it was sort of there without being there. I imagine there's, there's firms out there that probably are completely inspired by a work of art and might, might build out from that. Or maybe that's too much of a romantic idea <laughs> that I have. Uh, I don't know. It'd be an interesting exercise. Yeah. To... I mean, I'm, I think it's probably definitely been done. Um, but, yeah. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so after you graduate, you went, so you went to undergraduate and graduate school? No. Oh, okay. Just undergrad. When did you make the leap from... Uh, Virginia to New York? I made a short stop in Baltimore. I practiced interior design professionally in Baltimore, and then that was right during the dot-com bust. So, like, that's what? 2000. Oh, right, 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 right. Right, 2001. Yeah, uh, yeah 2000. Um, I had to think about my bust. We have the <laughs> housing crash in 08 right. or 07. Yeah, which bust? Um, so... Uh, yeah, and then I moved up to New York. My um, boyfriend at the time, now my husband, uh, had just come up, and 
So I just decided to come up and see what New York was all about. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, and then um, I practiced professionally, interior design professionally for like a year and a half. It was right before September 11th that I moved here. Um, So that was kind of crazy. And uh, And then I had an opportunity to work at an art gallery. That's right. You sort of switched directions. Yeah professionally or like day job wise right Right. went from interior design to working at galleries right and um i I feel like i remember you describing that as like a fork like a decision yeah it you know when i was what nudged you towards the gallery as opposed to continuing with interior design well when i was presented with the opportunity to work at the gallery i really felt like this is a this is a contemporary art gallery. In yes, New York. Okay. it was Bill Main's gallery okay. um, in Chelsea. Um, I knew nothing about the art world, zero, nothing. You know, I had a very romantic idea of what making art was, and um, but I was very curious, and I couldn't ignore this curiosity of what the art world was. And I was making paintings at night and on weekends, and. I felt like, well, this is one way to find out a little bit more, and Mm -hmm. I decided to go for it. But I knew that once I took that path, it would be really hard for me to turn back and get back into interior design. Yeah, not not logistically, but just emotionally. uh, Yeah, like like yeah. And what type of gigs, or what was it like? Some sort of administrator at the gallery, or you a director? Yeah, I started out as you know an assistant, and eventually uh, worked up to gallery uh, director. Um, would you say, I mean, I talked to a number of artists that run galleries and have studio practices or have worked at galleries like yourself and, um, now focus more on their own practice. Um, um, or, you know, work, they're direct, currently directors at galleries and have a practice. Would you say that there's like a, like a, a big takeaway from that experience for you as an artist that makes this stuff? Being on the on the on the marketplace side of that, the commercial side where these things are sold, like was there, you know, bit of information that you took from from that job that that has helped you sort of navigate the path forward? Sure, sure. I learned so much from being in that uh, working in galleries. I mean, I worked at Bill Mains and then I worked at Frederica Taylor Gallery for many years as director. I think that's and, when I met you. Yeah. you were working at Frederica Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think having that experience was just a really good te- learning experience. You learn everything that it takes to put on an e- exhibition from the business side and the artist side because you're interacting with artists mm-hmm. and you get to see them bring their visions to reality. But uh, you just learn the, re- <laughs> the real. Yeah. Did you ever like, see something like, oh, that's what not to do? Like whether it was like dealing with a, a pain in the ass artist or. Oh, sure. Definitely. You know, you learn what to do. You learn what not to do. It can, for me, it sometimes it can be a little bit um, of a, it kind of holds me back sometimes because I'm worried about being the artist that I didn't enjoy being. Well, can in. you name a, like maybe a few things that you would you would uh, assign to the character of an artist that's not pleasant to work with? Like, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> I think that's a good message right now in be our humble. current world. Mm-hmm. Um, be appreciative of the people that are working for you. 
Um, but also don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Yeah. Um, that one's a little bit harder for me, um, to do openly, but, um, I would agree. I I concur completely advocating for ourselves in these relationships is hard. It's important, but it's very hard. Learning this, you know, which guns to stick by, I guess, Mm -hmm. or which battles to fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like that's an ongoing life thing for everyone. (laughs) Um, and you also, I feel like you got into curating a little bit while you're working at the gallery. Yeah, for or when that part of your life, you, you curated a couple of shows. That's how we. Yeah, Frederico that's how we connected. Very generous um, and gave me uh, a few, several opportunities to put shows together, and um, that was a great experience. And I think that the um, the interior design background helped with with installation of shows mm-hmm. as well, knowing where to put things or developing that instinct of, sure um how a show flows together yeah in fact i think i saw you at an art fair once with full art handling gear on and tool bag like really thoughtfully installing your gallery i think it was frederica taylor's booth uh-huh. i don't remember what fair it was at but it's some, one of the ones here in, in the city um and i i was had i think i had work at the fair too but i remember walking by and watching you sort of thoughtfully think about placement and notice that you were really really engaged in that so yeah it makes sense that the interior design component of you would would uh be uh useful in that setting for sure um i want to i want to get back to the work a little bit um i know i you know i read a little bit about like i took in some interviews that you've had online with with other art people or publications and uh, someone talked to you about a trip you took to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And when I read your response to this uh, or your description of this trip to Alaska, it really sort of snapped a few things in for me uh, related to your work in terms of the feeling of it and um, some of the colors that you use. Um, can you Tell me a little bit more about that trip to Alaska and, and how that impacted you um, as an artist and also like as someone that takes in the, the their their setting around them sure. and, and then creates a memory of that and then brings it back to the studio or somewhere else away from that experience and then you then you try and interpret that memory and how Alaska was it seems like an important memory yeah um, well I think the significant part, uh, part about Alaska is that it, I'd never been to in a landscape like that before. So um, it was completely foreign to me to hike on a glacier and go in an ice cave and be on a boat for that period of time and, and ha- to be able to go out on the boat and just have quiet solitude. Um, and float through like a fjord and just for hours yeah. and just have that experience. Um, I'd never had anything like that before. So yeah. it was really, and it was a family trip, right? It wasn't it was like a, you moved to Alaska. For, right. Right. It, yeah. yeah. It was a family trip and, um, a vacation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, but it was, it was pretty incredible. And, and you could, we booked, you know, hikes, um, right. With along, a guide or yeah, something. With a guide, yeah. Guided hikes and, mm-hmm. But just like being in that foreign envir- environment was really effective. Yeah. You know, effective. 
And I, I thought about, uh, I don't know what time of year were there, if there was snow and ice around, but how light hits snow and the shadows and colors that come out of how light interacts with snow and ice crystals. You know, it's, it's these range of pink, the shadows are a range of pinks and they're a range of violets and they're, they're a range of blues and arguably sometimes some weird grays. And those are colors that I absolutely assign to your paintings. Yeah. And the way maybe light goes through ice and creates like a weird green edge right, right. on a piece of ice. And I see that in your painting. So when I saw that little blip about Alaska, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. like a good example of, of Anne taking in a memory and then re like bringing it home. Yeah. And making something from it. Um, so here's a question. If, if you could go on a hike uh, through the woods or a forest and you could take anyone with you, living or dead, artist, non-artist, um, who would you want to take with you and what would you hope to come across or see to create a memory of some sort that you might bring home to the studio and, and maybe use as a, as a, a point of origin for a painting? Um, definitely my daughter. Uh, she is 21 months old and everything is new to her and uh, it's just amazing to go hiking with her because everything she touches and looks at and hears, she hears birds and she tells me about it and she picks up a leaf and, and shows me and it just gives you a whole new awareness of your surroundings and your environment and um, it's amazing. So yeah, I bring her any day. And her name is Elsie. Yes. Little Elsie. Um, yeah, I would agree. Taking, you know, like kids see things that we don't. Uh, I learn every day from my kids. Um, just on a pure observational level, exactly. what they observe versus what we observe. And just even like on a, like on a, uh, like a, like the structure of a small child, their point of view is much lower. So they're seeing things that oh, if we had eyeballs on our knees, we, we would notice. Um, so getting down and, you know, and seeing what they're seeing, I find is, uh, you know, kind of a ridiculous thing to do, but it's, it's a, it's a good thing at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Everything's tactile and, mm -hmm. um, everything has texture and, sound and smell and um taste yeah I'd assume taste. when they're very young they <laughs> yeah. put everything in their mouths um that's great so well, the senses yeah yeah um is, do you, and she's she's a sort of a budding artist too elsie right you guys draw together at home yeah she's yeah. pretty uh, she's taken to drawing so i'm pretty happy about that because she can really get into it and she's learning how to make different marks and mm -hmm. she really enjoys it um as a daily activity mm -hmm. and it's something that we can do together. It's something that she can do on her own, something that she can do when we're on a road trip. Mm -hmm. Um, because the, you know, I think it's better than any toy. <laughs> sure. There's so much learning that's going on while they're yeah. making marks on a page. Um, she's learning how to communicate. Yeah. Uh, so here's a, here's a challenging question, but an important one, you know, this is one of a few, recordings I've done post-election um, and I feel we need to not be afraid to ask each other how you're doing and how you're feeling so I'm wondering how are you feeling how are you doing um, I'm hanging in there yeah. I'm keeping my head above water I guess um, I woke up the next morning after the results and felt 
sheer terror Mm -hmm. and a heaviness. And I've never experienced that before with any other presidential election. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of... You're 30... 38. You're 38, so... I mean, even with W, um, I didn't have that feeling. Right, right, right. I'm just trying to think like how many times we've voted. And I think actually... So that would have been Clinton, mm-hmm. right? And I don't even think I voted back then just because yeah, I, I had my head up my own ass. Right. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry to get off subject there. Yeah. Um, so pretty much terror and mm-hmm. every day I look at the news, it's more terror. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's, I don't know, maybe a result of reality television, social media, all creating this craziness mm-hmm. um, and people aren't connecting with people anymore mm-hmm. and it's really intense. Have you thought about um, h- as an artist how to how to move forward or how to maybe um, get more involved? Is that, imp- is that a, a, a important at this point? Are you still processing? Uh, like, I think I'm, I'm just curious. I'm asking yeah. everyone I come across on on just like a human level like what is so what how are you how are you attempting to navigate the next handful of days weeks months years i think i'm still digesting um but i find myself needing and wanting to connect more with um other artists and going to see art um i thought maybe i wouldn't but i feel like it's been even more um, of a driving force. And I identify with, with all the, the wave of emotions that you described too. Um, waking up, that, well, I was sort of up all night, sort of like an asshole, checking to like, wait right. for the nightmare to be over. Like, oh, it's going to come back. Um, and then it was like, I'm still going through the waves of grieving, I think. Yeah. And I'm still trying to find my footing. And I... I don't have any answers right now or like any like solid things like this is what I'm going to do. I think I'm still processing like you. Right. One of the things I am comfortable saying is that I've, I, I have a feeling like I've never felt this before. Right. And I don't know that I have a word to describe this feeling because I've never felt it before. It's, it's a mix of fucking rage and love uh, not for what's going on, but my, my, the love for my family and for my city and, but it's like this bizarre cocktail of a lot of emotions Yeah, and someone's got to invent a word for it. Cause I think that's what I feel right now. Yeah. I, and I, it's interesting cause I've talked to so many other people who have had the same feelings, mm-hmm. um, and have never had them before, you know, had it. Yeah. And I think that's actually a good takeaway that we are actually feeling something. I mean, I started yeah. to feel something during the, the George, W. Bush presidency, like this doesn't feel right. And then I felt pretty great with Obama. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, I I, like, I'm disgusted with the obstruction tactics of of the Republican Party Um, and what it's led to. And oh gosh, it's just, yeah, I'm reevaluating a lot of stuff right now. Um, But yeah, this feeling, this new feeling, I think it's a good thing that we feel something and hopefully people activate around that feeling yeah i I don't think we have a choice not to right or we have a responsibility as artists especially to to react yeah in in a way that will hopefully make things 
better for everyone. Um, anyways, that's a pretty heavy topic. We could probably yeah. go on and on. I know. But, <laughs> um, um, and you know, it's, it, maybe this is a good point to segue into. So this is a, a, like a pretty real problem that we face. Um, and I like to think of the artist as, as a problem solver. Um, and if we can get back to how you operate in the studio, when you have problems with your work, when you're in a, in a rut or, or, you know, you're, you're not liking what you're working on. Um, do you have any tricks that you do to, to try and resolve those problems? Like what are your, what, what's your strategy to turn things around for yourself? Hmm. A couple, I have a couple different strategies. One, that I use often is to destroy the painting um, that is giving me trouble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I will just um, m make the call and, and go in a di different directions. It's usually me getting stuck in my head like we were talking about earlier and getting a little bit too tight and too um, wrapped up in whatever mm -hmm. the, pro the problem is within the painting. And once I... Um, decide that it's going to be destroyed then it just gives me freedom and opens it back up and so that is a very um so destroying the work yeah and, and destroying in the sense that painting over it okay um you don't like light it on fire and throw it out the window <laughs> i mean if i could i probably would but no i, I don't do right, i right. don't do that um although i really uh loved reading um i think agnes martin wrote late or someone wrote about Agnes Martin uh, going to, to her studio and she told him to go down to her studio and destroy two of the paintings and take a, you know, take the specific one that she, yeah. she felt was the good one. And something about that was really felt really like cathartic. Or yeah, something like that. yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big believer in destroying things yeah. that aren't working or or revisiting them in, in some way yeah um, yeah i'm a i'm a proponent of that as well yeah and then the other thing that i do is to go look at work uh mm -hmm. to go look at other art shows that are up and um you know whether it's going to the met or just recently going to the kai altov show at moma really helped me get unstuck um just to see how other artists are doing things and also to see that other artists leave things on the canvas that you might not remember. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, it's just good to see other work. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Absorbing other people's work and then coming home and coming back to the studio and working is a great, great thing. I do that as well. And I think I mentioned this once before, but like sometimes I'll go out and with a full intention of, getting inspired by other work that I see and I, and I see more stuff I dislike than I like. Right. And that actually gives me like energy in a way too. Right. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I feel like my work is not as bad as that. I mean, it sounds sort of egomaniacal to say that, but like, no, I understand that. Right. Like, Oh, my work can hang in, in one of these fancy galleries. And I feel like it would, be better than what I'm looking at now. Or it also helps clarify. You're like, mm, my work is not about that. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. Very good. Well said. Well said. Maybe um, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Or, or hmm, I can relate to that part, but it's definitely, I would do it like this. Yeah. Or maybe my work is yeah. more on this side of the coin. Right. Yeah. So I guess the takeaway is like, 
yeah, go see the shows of, of the artists whose work you're psyched on, but also go look at stuff that you don't like. And yeah, you're I gonna, think it, you're hel- gonna it take helps. Take stuff from that as well. It also helps you define. I feel like it helps you define your work a little bit more, or um, it helps when you go back to the studio and you're like, okay, um, you know, I don't make that type of work, mm-hmm. and that's good. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Someone else is doing that. Right. So if going to going to gallery shows and museum shows is uh, an important part of of, of um, getting new ideas or refreshing yourself or learning from other people's work, um, you don't live in the city anymore. Right. You're a little bit removed from, and you used to live right in Chelsea, right? So you right. could like somersault out of your apartment into a gallery almost or something yeah well I lived and worked in Chelsea so it was all right there yeah and now you're removed from that yeah I live um uh upstate uh about 45 minutes from Grand Central um in a town called Cortland which is right next to Croton on Hudson right so that's on Metro North it's on Metro North Westchester County Mm -hmm. okay it's like the first express stop yeah Um, and I and I know any number of artists that have this conversation like oh is it time to leave the city for x y and z reasons and those are usually cost of living Mm -hmm. space um they have kids um and they it's just too difficult for whatever reason or school stuff Mm -hmm. uh, or they just want the house and the yard and the driveway type of life um um, and i think you're the only person i know really like we'll have to ask a question or like to observe, like, see how that experiment is going. And you've been up there, what, two years almost now? Just two years now, yeah. What do you think so far? How does it feel? It was definitely an adjustment when we first moved there, but I think that there were a lot of different layers to that adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one being, live, you know, living in the city for, I don't know, 13 years or something, and then living in a completely different environment. It's much more country feeling up there. Mm-hmm. Um we have, you know, some land and a lake. And so that part is completely 180. Um, also, we, you know, Elsie was born um, shortly after we moved. So that was a huge A lot of change, change. all at once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so a lot of things changed. and uh, But now that I'm, now that I've been up there and I've gotten into rhythm, um, I think it's pretty good. Uh, it's close enough to come into the city. You know, my studio's here in Brooklyn, so I come in when I can, uh, you know, weekly, and I work at, up at home as well um, on smaller things. So I figured that balance out. And then it's close enough to come in to see shows. If my friend has a show, I can go see it. If there's a museum exhibition, I can go see it and take advantage of everything the city has to offer, but then be... Um, in a place that we can afford right, a little right, bit more right. um, and give us a little bit more space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were living in a 400-square-foot apartment in Chelsea, right. and that, I think, was driving my husband crazy. So. Yeah. And, but you also, I mean, it, it's an interesting strategy. You have, you're keeping a studio in this city right in brooklyn and you come in what once twice a week maybe once or twice a week depending mm-hmm. on child care uh-huh. so you have you still have a, a a presence here right a working presence um why keep this why keep the studio here versus set up like a beautiful studio and like uh, i know you have this lower level that you work on at home mm-hmm. um why keep the two for me right now um Um, this is where I make 
a, the majority of my work and it's so important to how I make to it just influences my work so much sure the um, space itself the space right. itself mm -hmm. so um, that's one reason and I'm fortunate enough to be able to keep it because it's built within my husband's architecture studio right so that's pretty much the only reason why I can keep it financially mm. but right. um, but it's also helpful for studio visits and to engage with the art community um, yeah it's a little easier to get know. people to come here versus a yeah. 45 minute train ride plus a taxi ride right to your house so, right. yeah it's like a practical device right too. yeah right and um, I'll hold on to it as, as long as we can because mm -hmm. um, I think it's a good good uh, situation right yeah now. I mean I think when I fantasize or when we fantasize my wife and I fantasize about attempting some sort of change like that I'm always like yeah I think I try and keep uh, an appointment space slash crash pad yeah. in the city for meetings for appointments um, I don't know it's an interesting question do we need to be here do well, we uh, I think it depends what 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 place you're in within uh, relative to where, where you want to be and what you want to be doing with your art um, you know if you want to if you're still like building your infrastructure and your network of friends mm -hmm. and artists and galleries yeah you should probably be here still but if you already have that it might be less important that you be right here. or maybe that's 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 the the narrative I've constructed in my head I don't know if there's would, truth to it but I, I would agree with that but also I think that um being in proximity to the city is still important for me because, um, yeah, I am still building up my infrastructure and network, but also wanting to engage with the community. Right. Um, and I don't know that I could completely remove myself from that at this point um, right, right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's something, there's something to be said about the fact that if you walk down the street, you're going to bump into an artist. Yeah, that's New York City. I love that. Day. That's one of the things I love about yeah, New York. Is that's that what we all love about it. You right? can just run into somebody and yeah. it's not planned and and then something happens from yeah. that. And I think it's a lot about the energy that you put out and that it gives back in that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and one of the things I know you've mentioned before that's important, you, you, you talked about this space itself important to your work your studio space is the window in your studio space and you started to talk about it a little bit at the start of the conversation um, but I'm looking at this window here and it's a it's it's a big beautiful it's not a picture do we call that a picture window I don't know what you call it but it's really oversized yeah it's probably seven feet by four feet uh-huh um, and it's got frosted glass with chicken wire embedded in it. Yeah, and the glass is all cracked. And, and there's <laughs> all these like cracks and fissures in the glass, and the light is diffused coming through. Um, and it looks like just on the other side, there's a, a painted brick wall. So it, it, it is the way it's coming through this broken window is it's a, it's a series of dull pinks and purples. Um, you know, and I'm sitting here looking at this at this window and looking at the paintings on your wall, and there it is. That's like a, um, it seems like a, an important force, in addition to the memories that you're taking from your just for sure experience. Yeah. But even just the compositionally, like if we talk about some sort of formal stuff, how those cracks and where the window pane is, sort of bisecting, the window. 
I can see a composition in there that is not unsimilar to some of the compositions in your painting. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, sure, definitely. I mean, it's a huge influence on the work. I feel like its presence is, you know, its physical presence in the studio is, is there. So, um, I'm, yeah, it definitely influences the work. And so much so that I really, um, you know, they replaced the windows in the, in the studio and I wouldn't let them replace this one because it was so important to the work. Um, so now I just deal with the drafts and the yeah. cracks and you can't really open the window, but you know, maybe six inches, but right. I decided that that was okay. I think that's a good choice. Yeah. That thing, you're going to have to carve it out of here. If yeah. You ever move. Definitely. Um, and then like, uh, uh, like the paradox of this, and this is, uh, um, I, I was able to visit you at your place, your family's place upstate uh -huh. recently. And your, your uh, sort of basement studio there has sliding glass doors yeah. out onto this beautiful um, sort of gully that's uh, wooded, covered uh, with leaves and trees and rocks. And there's, was there even a little creek down there yeah. maybe? Yeah. But it's a beautiful landscape to look in. And there's a few houses there, but you actually don't notice them based on the, the grade of the landscape. Um, and I asked you like, oh, do you like turn around? Do, do you use this as a, as a, you know, do you draw from this just as an exercise or is this something that you want to paint from? I, I know that yeah. you like looking at nature and you, and you're like, fuck no. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, when I first set up the studio down there, um, I, you know, I had the table down there and it was like overlooking, looking directly out, out to this beautiful scenery. And I just couldn't make work and I kept trying to do it. And then eventually I said, I can't fucking look at this. <laughs> um, and I turned the table to the wall and everything was better. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you know, it was just like, I couldn't be so directly in front of it and make the work. It just, ha I had to like glance at it or view it from side yeah. periphery. Um, because, because my work is um, so involved with, the memory of observation to have it to try to work while it's in front of me was a little bit yeah. too too much direct observation yeah. no that memory right. is important than the than the immediate thing that's in front of you right yeah and it's funny that like it seems like an obvious answer but it took a second to remember yeah. that right yeah. um and i think we're all like that uh, have you ever thought about doctoring the the sliding door windows down there so that it's more like this window in studio um, I'm thinking of like frosting it somehow, um, you know, maybe even like drawing right on, not smashing it with a hammer. You don't want to break <laughs> the glass. You've got a small child, but like, it'd be an interesting, um, project to maybe try and mimic what's going on here with this window in your studio in Brooklyn with that Vista and glass window at home. Well, I think that the interesting thing. Thing. I like maybe that's too heavy-handed. Yeah, I don't no, know. I like I like the idea of yeah. this window in this Brooklyn studio being specific to this space. Um, it's got history, it's got character, and it's you know it's part of this space. Um, so to try to mimic it, I think would be a disservice. Um, and I think that you know, hopefully, I over time will figure out other things about the view at home. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I, I think I totally agree. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about the times that I've made like a small drawing mm 
mm-hmm. and I've tried to mimic that since we're using the term right, mimic, right. like on a larger scale, like, oh, I want to, I really like that small drawing. I'm going to try and recreate a larger version of it. Completely fucking fails. Right, right. And to maybe do that to, to the window at home is some version of that. Um, yeah. I think leaving a B is probably the right way to go. Yeah. Um, if you weren't an artist, what do you think you'd choose to be? Hmm. I mean, I think at one point I thought about, you know, maybe, well, I studied interior design, but maybe going into architecture or doing film or something like that. But um, I also thought recently, maybe because of my daughter of becoming a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a, like a school teacher? Yeah. Of some sort? Yeah. Like primary school? Grade school? Yeah, maybe. I yeah. don't know. If if I weren't an artist, you know. Sure. Um, you could be an art teacher. Yeah. You could yeah. marry the two. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I think yeah. you'd be a good teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen you with your kid. Yeah. And I've seen you, I've been to your studio a few times, and I feel like they're both um, important parts of your skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and yeah, putting those two together would be an interesting, see what the result would be. Well, I think that, you know, teachers are such an important part of a child's uh, development Mm -hmm. that, uh, I don't know, I think that there's something there. Yeah, I agree. Um, Let's talk about, you have a show up right now. Yeah. Which is um, at Turn Gallery Mm -hmm. in the Lower East Side of Manhattan on First Street. Yeah, 37 East. And... uh, it just it opened up um, the end of October, mm-hmm. and it's up through December tenth. Am I yeah. remembering that? So there's a few weeks. Well, it just got weeks. extended. Oh, it got extended. Okay. It, it got extended until December eighteenth. Okay, um, and it's a two person show. It's you and Andy Minster. Andy Mister. Mister. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and it's 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 you make paintings and he makes paintings. Um, or is, he, or his, his his are I think more in the drawing. Okay. Realm, but, okay. Um, and more photograph. Maybe more based on photographs. Okay. Um, and and the works that you uh, presented in the show are all new, never been shown before. Never Made been in the past shown. Year, six all months. recent. All recent. Um, is there a theme to that body of work, or outside of like working from memory, or, or I feel like I I went to the opening, and I feel like there are some new forms in those paintings that I haven't seen in other work. Um, not that that's a theme in itself, but there's like some new moves. Um, am I wrong in seeing that? No, but I think that I'm always trying to push the work. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's always evolving, hopefully. Um, so uh, I don't know if I would actually necessarily verbalize it as a theme, but um, it's still wor- working within the realm of um, influence, influence, by nature and landscape and um andy's work is also landscape right that was that's sort of the connection the aesthetic connection his work is made much differently than yours right but uh um how did that show come together just on like i'm thinking of like how people get shows or get involved in these opportunities or have get these opportunities in the first place um i donated a painting to art walk new york um Last year, it's a charity that I donate to every year. Um, it benefits the Coalition for the Homeless. And I met um, Annika, the gallery owner there, as she saw my painting and uh, 
at the auction at the auction and Mm -hmm. then came to do a studio visit and we had a you know we hit it off and um and then she she uh contacted me a few months later and said you know she had an idea for a show and um she thought that Andy's work and my work had something similar going on mm-hmm. thematically, I think. And had she worked with Andy before? No. Okay. Um, she's a new gallery. Okay. Um, I think maybe coming up on two years. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she'd worked with Andy before and she just thought it would be an interesting pairing. And, um, I was, I said, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great example of timing, like being in the right place in the mm-hmm. right time. And the right person coming across your work and having a, uh, uh, a response to it so much so that it led to a studio visit and the rest sort of unfolded. Yeah. Sounds naturally. Nothing was terribly forced, doesn't sound like. So that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you could, uh, this is, you know, this is maybe a tricky question, but if, if you could be kind of a ghost in your own show as visitors were, were coming in, uh, or, or taking your, your, your paintings in. Um, is there anything that you'd want to kind of like go up and sort of whisper into their ears in terms of pay attention to this, or I want you to think about that, or, um, I guess it's a, you know, a long winded me of asking you what the intent of the works are for you or what do you, what do you want the viewer to take away? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the reasons why I started painting abstractly was because I, I really um, appreciate the viewer bringing their own experience to the work and I enjoy um, hearing what they see and what they connect with and I think um, I would hesitate to ever tell somebody what to, what to think when they're looking in or standing in front of one of my paintings. Um, so I don't know that I would tell them anything, but I'd be listening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So sort of experience it how you will. And I think that that might be enough. Yeah. I think as long as, you know, I'd be delighted if they connect with the work. Sure. On some level. Right. Um, going back to uh, the studio visit with the gallerist from Turn Gallery. I'm always curious, like, you know, there's there's studio visits from from artist friends coming to your studio, like your work, are different from studio visits when a gallerist or a dealer comes to your work or a curator. There's like like, like there's a different energy with each each, mm-hmm. depending on who's who's coming in and what what the reasons are for it. Do you have a an ideal studio visit experience that that you can? conjure up in this moment right now like the the, I had this studio visit and this is it was great and this is these are the reasons why it was great um well I mean I think the visit with the gallery owner was great in the sense that Annika with Annika Mm -hmm. um because um we didn't know each other and so it was a completely you know fresh studio visit Uh and there no there were no preconceived conversations Mm -hmm prior to it um and uh she really connected with the work and we had a great conversation about the work and i think that that is i think the bet one of the nicest studio visits you can have when someone you don't know comes and has a real connection with the work Mm -hmm. i mean if you have an artist over and you're stuck in a painting and they can 
tell you technically, right. like, this is how you solve this problem. Yeah, coach or, you out of it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or it's right here, this part right here that you're not seeing. Um, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, the on the other side of that, when it's when you're maybe not ready for a studio visit and you have one, it can be problematic. Um, I think earlier on when I was first... I think it's, uh, yeah, when I was first learning how to do a studio visit, right. I think it's a learned skill. Yeah. Um, y maybe you show things that are older that you, because you're not quite secure in what you're making yeah. <laughs> at the moment, and then that can backfire because that's not really what you want to talk about. So you learn, like, what to show, what not to show. Yeah. Um, you learn how to steer the conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. And just being ready yeah. is, is important and and sort of realizing or acknowledging that you're not ready sometimes. Um, it's hard to say no to a studio visit because we all want sort of that attention in right. a weird way. But um, yeah, I've said no to studio visits like in the past five or six years. Um, but when I was first figuring out how to be an artist, you know, I let anyone and everyone come in and some of them were disasters. I remember right. my first studio visit. Um, I didn't know what a studio visit was. I had to call a friend. I was like, what the, this guy wants a studio visit. What the <laughs> fuck is a studio visit? Um, and his advice was funny too, is like have some water and maybe some fruit, offer a snack and, and just, you know, have some workout and, and talk about the work and show it. But I, my studio at the time was like, 80 square feet right. with another guy and we just had drawing tables. I was making just strictly drawings, nothing. Right. I didn't have a wall to put anything on. Right. Um, thankfully the guy who came by, um, sort of read the situation very quickly and saw how young and green I was and was actually very cool. So yeah. it worked out, but, um, I guess that was an important, like first studio ex uh, visit experience for me. Yeah. I mean, I think the advice that you were given was, Good. Yeah. I mean, you have to be a good host on some level. Yeah. I mean, I guess you don't have to be, but it's, you know, people are taking time out of their day to come mm -hmm. see you um, and look at your work. And so I think it's nice to offer them a yeah. glass of water. Yeah, no, I, I think that, yeah, of you course, know. of course. It was just sort of a funny. Yeah, it, it takes it takes a second to figure out. Funny advice for a kid who's yeah. never done a studio visit before, like, the first thing he says, like, have some fruit out. <laughs> and yeah. Nothing about the artwork or how to talk about the work was like the food. Yeah. Um, anyways, what about, you know, I, I'm trying, I always like asking balance questions. Like, what about the worst? Have you ever had a bad studio visit experience? Um, I think, you know, I was referencing it a little bit in what I just said and that maybe I wasn't ready to talk about the work or the right. work just wasn't there yet. And yeah. I feel like you can... The work is where it is and and you are where you are as an artist. Um, so if it if 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 it's a bad visit, then it's a bad visit and you're just not there yet. Mm -hmm. And that's I think um I accept I learned to accept that yeah. um and not be so hard on myself that it it just like through throws you off. Cuz also uh, people uh, reveal a lot about themselves in these studio visits, I feel like, and they bring their own energy and their own ideas into your studio. So you kind of have to be careful about that too, because maybe they have an agenda that they're not even aware of, mm -hmm. but 
they come in it and they can easily um, leave that residue on you yeah. if you're not careful. So yeah. you have to, I think, be able to sweep it out afterwards, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Open the and windows, it, clear the air. Yeah, and it takes a certain amount of, uh, of, of emotional maturity to, to be able to like digest a bad studio visit. Even like, I, you know, I still work on it after a bad studio visit. Yeah. Um, but I agree, yeah. And being ready and... Also, like, and this is something that other artists have told me in these recordings, like being ready for when it comes back around. It like that first time may have not gone how you wanted it to, but it might come back around. So, right. like, think about that and like, okay, here's a, here's an here's another opportunity to sort of um, learn from the bad one and maybe be more ready for this one or something like right. that. Right. So, I think that's an important realization as well. Uh, what about current? inspirations or influences you mentioned you saw a couple shows recently that really you really liked is there anything else maybe outside of art that you find inspiring um i mean a book you've uh, read yeah. or a film you've seen i'll i'll often like read poetry um mm -hmm. if i'm sort of in searching for something um mm -hmm. outside of art stuff um visual art yeah visual art stuff mm -hmm. so like robert creeley um, is one of my favorite poets, or Rilke is another favorite poet. Rilke? Yeah, uh, Rainer Maria Rilke. Okay. Um, and I don't know anything about poetry, so that's why I'm having to yeah, ask, yeah. ask names. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely check them out. Okay. Um, but I did recently see a Matisse drawing show at the Katona Museum. Oh, that's um, up by where you live. Yeah, mm -hmm. and really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. um, it's all portraits, but, you know... It's it's great to see because you forget that even Matisse left things raw and, you know, drew some hands that were maybe clumsy or, yeah. you know, that wasn't necessarily the, the um, focus of the of the piece. And it was just about, you know, quickly drawing the portrait. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always it's always refreshing to look at work like that. Yeah. Um, or to see like some of our heroes or these people that are in the canon. Um had their their problems with their work as well yeah and it's on the it's there it's not like he destroyed it or yeah. anything it's just there it's and, there to see yeah uh, I think that's important yeah I, f I found a lot of that when i uh i'm still reading i'm a slow reader but um gustin's collected essays and interviews have mm -hmm. you ever looked at that book yeah he mm -hmm. just talks about like being completely frustrated with his own work and yeah all the things that we all feel and we just assume that some of these people in the museums like just didn't feel that, or it's naive of us to, to think that they didn't feel that. But hearing him talk about how difficult things are at times was refreshing. I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're, I'm supposed to feel this way. Yeah. Like yeah. That. The struggle. Was... Yeah, yeah. The struggles, the creative struggle, yeah, right? Creative struggle. Like these are, these are first world struggles. Right. 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 <laughs> let's, let's be fair. Um, but yeah, like even even he said something about um, like when a painting's giving you a real real like big problem and it feels terrible and wrong and it's the worst. He his philosophy is that that might mean you're onto something. Like you might yeah. you might be like on the verge of like a breakthrough moment or something like that. Right. I thought that was an interesting take on what's usually a frustrating situation. Um, yeah, or if it starts to become uncomfortable, then you know you're maybe onto something yeah 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 it's hard to acknowledge that though sometimes yeah. so it's nice when 
our heroes are writing, spelling it out for us. Yeah. Um, do you have any future things that you want to work on or goals or projects um, coming down the pipe or just things that you hope to accomplish uh, in, in the near and far future? Um, I just hope to can be able to continue to make work that I'm engaged with and that has integrity. Um, if I can keep doing that, I'll be somewhat happy, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also um, playing around with an idea of, you know, curating little shows. Um, we have a guest house um, on our on our land up upstate, and mm -hmm. thought it might be a nice opportunity to. Um, bring artists together up there and uh, do little shows. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, there's a number of artists that, that live in that area. Yeah. And more are moving up, mm -hmm. out. And I think it would be interesting to pull um, the community together up there mm -hmm. uh, and see what happens. That sounds great. Yeah. yeah. I feel like community building is really important right now. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it always is, but it feels very, very important right now so that sounds like a great great thing you'll have to let us know when definitely when and if it uh comes together and where we can learn about it yeah um well Anna, i appreciate you um having me in and thank you for sh coming sharing um your experience about the work you know your pan I, mean, I didn't mention this earlier but your there's an atmosphere to your paintings and um i i felt this that last studio visit and at your show like this this urge to go inside of your paintings um for me as a viewer um there's like a calmness and a soothing quality to the atmosphere you're creating and in the space that you're creating with these color relationships mm -hmm. and the forms and the shapes um and i find it relaxing to imagine going inside of it. Like I, I'm not a good sleeper. I don't sleep well at night. Um, and we can speculate for the reasons why, and that's almost not important, but I have a few things that I like to try and think about to help me calm down and turn off. Um, and one of the things that worked recently was thinking about being inside of your paintings. And oh, that's nice. And, um, it worked. It like calmed me down. It was soothing. Um, and I think that's, a. Uh, um, a really nice gift of your for me as a viewer that I take from your work. So thank you for that. Thank you for helping me yeah. relax. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks. Anna. And we've made it to the end. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about this project and the artists featured by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also find the series and subscribe in iTunes. Thank you for listening and check back soon for a new episode.